Hi everyone, I'm Guk. I'm the founder of Chibando. You're listening to the App Guy podcast. The App Guy podcast. Straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. I am your host, it's uh, Paul Kemp, and uh, I really do get some really interesting guests. And uh, I've got a technical co-founder to uh, listen to today. We're going to go through his journey. Uh, he is one of uh, the co-founders behind Front Row Education. So uh, if you just go to Front Row Ed, that's Front Row Ed, ed.com, and you'll uh, see a beautiful website with a load of stuff on it about uh, what he's doing. He's going to talk to us today about uh, his company, uh, co-founding it, and uh, what they're up to. So uh, Alexander Curlin uh, is your name. Welcome to the App Guy podcast. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for joining us. And so, well, first of all, what is um, Front Row Education? Perhaps you can fill us in a little bit behind uh, the idea uh, of Front Row Education. Sure. So the, the problem that we're trying to solve at Front Row Education is that of creating education plans for students that are perfectly adaptive to wherever it is that they are in their um, journey to learning math. Traditionally, math has been taught by basically presenting a lecture to the entire classroom, regardless of where students are um, with their math understanding. So the traditional model does not reflect the actual reality of how classrooms are split skill-wise. What tends to happen and what we did see from our data is that there's essentially a bell curve of aptitude as far as math is concerned in an average K-12 classroom. You have students who are far behind, you have students who are um, getting ahead of the curve, and you have students that are somewhere in the middle of that pool of, of aptitude. And uh, the lecture will generally, uh, in, a, in a typical um, American classroom, will generally uh, address the skills that are somewhere in that middle. But it will leave behind and potentially very confuse the kids and the young students that are that are uh, that did fall behind with the years, and it will um, possibly bore to death those who are much ahead of the curve and who are doing very well and they need more stimulating material. So what we um, strive to do with front row is to create an engaging experience for students. So first of all, so that they are interested and excited about practicing and learning math, but also provide them with um, just the right content that they need at that point in time um, throughout, the, um, uh, throughout the year. And um, this is a bit of a transformation for the typical classroom where most teachers are probably used to teaching one thing at a time. And if you're not ready to understand that, well, it's, it's, it's too bad. Essentially, well, it's too bad. You're- Alexander, I love the fact that you, first of all, started this off with uh, you're trying to solve a problem. This is the problem you're, you're solving. And, you know, literally, that's the one thing I've learned in all the episodes that I've done, your episode 191, is that uh, successful co-founders start off by looking at the world and realizing that there's problems to be solved. And uh, when, when did you come up with the idea for Front Row Education? Were, were you in uni? Uh, to tell us the story behind that. So both my um, co-founder and I, my co-founder is um, Siddharth Kakar, we worked in the industry for a few years after uh, graduating from university. Um, I went to University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign for four years and uh, then worked at uh, Microsoft Corporation for 
four years on IT management solutions. And um, while I did um, absolutely love uh, what I was doing there, and it was an absolutely amazing opportunity to work in a, in a very large and established engineering organization such as Microsoft, where I was working with 100 to 200 other engineers in the same product, I, I wanted to have a lot more impact on basically the world around me. And instead of um, basically feeling like I was doing a small, fairly small piece, because when, when you're one out of 100 engineers, there's only so much you can impact in your day-to-day work. So I needed to, uh, I, I started graduate school, um, actually ironically both Siddharth and I did uh, went to Carnegie Mellon, but n- neither of us met there. And so people usually assume that's where we met, but that's actually not the case. We met in an elevator. Uh, which uh, tells you. <laughs> well, this is great because you know we honestly have so many co-founders on this uh, show, and it's always amazing to me where people meet. You know, and some, sometimes it's in uh, organized uh, incubators or accelerator programs, but uh, you, yours was a chance meeting in a lift, and you did—I guess—you did the two-minute pitch, the elevator pitch, for you for an idea. What was interesting is that we were both there um, at this event to pitch about our respective startups at the time and uh, it just it just so happened we were both I was working on something unrelated at the time I was working on an energy and um, a uh, home electricity measurement um, tool that was a mix of a hardware and a software startup at the time and he was working on language learning applications and um, we, we met we got along very well almost immediately and my startup didn't go anywhere and he needed a Tengle co-founder at the time, he, he had started uh, on that project about a month earlier. And he needed a technical co-founder to, um, to work with him on, on those language learning apps. So we, we got together, we started working on language learning apps for maybe six months or so. And we did, we did enjoy doing that, but it wasn't really anything, uh, anything revolutionary. The language learning app uh, space is very crowded as of right now. And it has a very, it has several very, very competitive and very high quality incumbents, such as say Duolingo. These are these are companies that are doing a fantastic job in language learning. So we figured that we could take some of the learnings that we take, which we we obtained while making a language um, apps, such as this whole adaptive process and tailoring the the content to um, the user's aptitude and we could move it to an area which hadn't traditionally seen a lot of techniques and technologies brought into it from Silicon Valley style startups. We were both in San Francisco. We were both, um, we had both moved there to, to start this fast paced, fast growth startup. And we were very familiar with tools that most startups in the space use for tracking metrics or tracking analytics for optimizing the funnels but it was very interesting to see that no one was using that same set of technologies and mindsets in the education space. And it absolutely makes sense to, to do it there because, yes, you can use these advanced techniques and math to, and mathematics to compute how to optimize um, the funnel for, to make sure that grandma clicks on more ads. But it's so much better if you use the same exact techniques on how to make sure that math is more exciting to students in K through 12 classrooms. So, yeah, let's just explain off. what that is too, because uh, I'm not uh, in the US, and I think uh, well, the majority of my listeners are actually uh, based in the US. So, but for me, uh, what does that mean? K K 
two, did you say? So K through 12 is, uh, all that means is it's the 13 years of uh, public education, of uh, basically mandatory public education in uh, the United States, which just starts with kindergarten and uh, ends up with 12th grade, after which you can potentially go to university and continue education further with um, secondary school. So K through 12 is, uh, is the short, short name for public um, elementary, middle, and high school education in the United States. Okay, so let's just summarize then, uh, just for the benefit of people listening, is that uh, here you are, you've, um, you've, you've had some experience in other companies such as Microsoft, and, and then you bump into your uh, co-founder in a lift, and you both uh, hit it off, and uh, you realize that the problem out there is that uh, th- there's just this old-style way of teaching a very, what, what is an amazingly interesting uh, subject, I love maths, uh, but you know, it just fe- felt, especially when I was uh, went to uni and I did some, uh, you know, core uh, f- foundations on maths. It's just boring, uh, you know, listening <laughs> into a a big lecture where you get, you know, a professor, and uh, you just have to sit there and listen to what he says. So you've made it interactive. I can see on your website there's uh, kids using iPads, and uh, uh, so you really do. Uh, you really are solving like this problem and getting people interested in maths again, I guess. That's correct. That's that's a big. Uh, that's definitely a big part of it. We try to solve actually several problems at once, but student engagement and making math interesting is is the core of it. Um, if you, it's it's really the core of it. I would say that the reason why this is so important is because if you look at the statistics, usually students start falling behind in math around third grade. It's uh, third grade is the big divider. By third grade, some students will have decided in their head that they are not proficient at math and they will never be proficient at math. So they uh, start to dislike the subject, they start to spend less time on the subject, and they're essentially unable to pull themselves out of that black hole of um, falling behind for the rest of their um, primary school education. Now, and, and there are students who, by third grade, they feel like, yes, I, I have this, I can do this. And they end up doing great for the remaining um, eight grades or so, eight, eight grades or so. And those students have a much higher chance of making it into school, into university, if, if they so choose. And they end up having a much larger, uh, much larger in- income as they go into the um, into the workforce. And they end so, up. So in, your you know, app is making people rich. <laughs> our app is. <laughs> The, the goal behind our app is to give um, people the opportunity to explore certain fields, um, f- such as the STEM fields, if they choose to do that. Because now they don't, they don't have an excuse such as, I am very bad at math. I would never be able to be a computer programmer or work as a software engineer. You don't have that excuse because you are probably very good at math. Or at least if we do our job right, you are hopefully going to be very good at math by the end of it. So that the option of getting into university, going um, going to computer science, or any other really STEM field, shouldn't be denied to you in third grade. Yeah. Now I've got this one. I've got STEM. That's uh, science, technology, uh, engineering, and maths. That's correct. Right. Right. Okay. So this is great. So you have inspired a whole generation of. Uh, of students in a way to to make maths more interesting now so so you as a co-founder then alexander you you're inspiring us here just literally going through this problem and, and trying to solve it there are 
indie app developers listening to this now and I encourage all of them thinking you know to think about what what problems and, and what uh, subjects around you are boring and 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 uh, you know in a way just need the impetus to uh, to have multiple uh, education through iPads and through interactive uh, learning techniques. I think that, you know, it doesn't just have to be maths. It could be any, honestly, I think any subject could be interesting on the iPad. What do you think? Absolutely. It, um, at the end of the day, it's about creating the right user experience that hits the spot and that makes it exciting to use your app, makes, makes students come back to your application or users and come back to your application and makes them crave more of it. And we've been, as an industry, we've been incredibly successful at creating uh, products that make people want to come back for more. Look at the video game industry. There, there are techniques that have been developed over the past 30 years to make you extremely addicted to the, to the process of advancing, leveling up in, in the game. But there's no reason why those processes shouldn't be, and those techniques shouldn't be adopted to to fields where you can have impact, direct impact to society, such as education. In fact, it is very surprising that that hasn't been done successfully before before us. And uh, well, we figured, listen, if no one else is going to do it, we pretty much have to do it ourselves. And uh, we use techniques such as, again, gamification as part of Front Row. You, as a, the stu- students, gain coins as they answer math uh, questions correctly. They can buy equipment and they can buy clothes and outfit their avatars and kids get really competitive with their coins. We've had stories of parents complaining to their teachers that their kids wake up one hour early in the morning just so they can get in some front row before going back to school so that they can uh, show show off how how many points they have to the rest of the classroom um, by the time they get to school because they get very competitive about it. Well, Alexander, I just have to congratulate you for uh, literally, I I mean, how on earth you've managed to get kids to enjoy maths homework is, uh, it just shows you the power of uh, almost, you know, gamifying a lot of this stuff and making it interesting, making it slightly competitive. Uh, You know, the world is changing around us. I'm all for this stuff. And that's why I wanted to get you on the show. Uh, I love what you're doing you know, making a real difference. And it doesn't have to be like the old way, the uh, sit down, you know, listen to a, a professor or a teacher just go through maths. It could be so much fun, gamification, competitiveness. I, I love, honestly love what you're doing. And uh, I just want to, so I just want to understand, uh, we've, we've got the concept now and, you know, you're, you're there. We left you uh, in the lift with your co-founder. And I just wondered, like, how did you get funding to, because I think you're working in an office. Is that right? You know, how, how are you, how do you, uh, did you actually end up moving forward with this idea and, and getting it off the ground? So we are funded as of right now. We are, um, our um, main investor is um, the, is uh, Mitch Kapor, who, some uh, folks might have heard of. He's the inventor of the spreadsheet of uh, Lotus Corporation um, back in the back in the eighties. And really, it, yeah, wow! Correct. I remember yes. using the Lotus. To, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm <laughs> one of the old guys here, and uh, yeah, oh wow, that's amazing. Well, yep, yep. And uh, he's um, he one of his core um, one of the core missions of his fund is to invest in startups that are having a large impact on society and that are. Uh, bridging the gap between uh, high-income and low-income uh, demographics. 
and there's really no greater equalizer of opportunity than technology. Since if you think about the availability of information as of today, before and after Google, before and after Wikipedia, before and after all these fantastic resources showed up online, and Front Row is trying to do something very similar, but for class in classroom education. In any case, going back to the story, we getting um, getting adoption very early on was definitely a, a major challenge. Just because, unlike let's say a consumer app, where you just it's it's I'm not saying it's not hard, but there's a lot less friction if it's just an application that's for individual use. You download the app, you try it out, you open it for a second. Your brain has about 15 seconds before you close it to get to get stimulated. Uh, otherwise, you're going to get bored and go back on Facebook. And you have you still have those 15 to 30 seconds to engage the user and, and con- convince them to to keep trying you. But with a classroom app. You have to have a lot of people on board, on board all at once to convince them to try this. You have to have the teacher who has, say, half an hour to 45 minutes of their time to, to install this on all the devices on her class, in her classroom. You have to have kids who are excited to try it and who aren't going to toss it aside. And you're going to have the school who actually allows you to get into, onto its premises and uh, let you install your app on their devices. So... There are there are several challenges there as far as getting into the classroom, and I remember very distinctly going flying to Chicago, and my co-founder flying to inner city Baltimore to basically manually install these apps ourselves in classrooms for teachers who had very kindly accepted accepted the offer, and they were kind enough to let us go and visit them, but. We had to fly out all the way to the middle and the other end of the country to do this because no one else would give us a chance. Um, we have to go. We had to go through personal networks. We had to go through uh, online forums. And um, a couple of teachers accepted the accepted the offer and they let us come over. And we spent a couple of weeks actually uh, outside of our home base, San Francisco, basically staying with our friends at night coding up the apps and making iterations on the fly and then going back to the classroom in the morning with the revised and uh, updated version of the application to see if that was a better fit for the classroom. And we did this for a couple of weeks and then we went back to San Francisco and we felt a lot better about what, what we were working with because this was, it was basically tempered by the real world and by the classroom. It wasn't, it wasn't just us coming up with concepts in our, in our uh, proverbial bedroom and then well i have to i have to say alexander the apps to tribe listening right now i just want to appeal to the listeners to say look what it takes you know you just don't uh, this is an authentic and genuine podcast and i just want to remind people listening to this that uh, a lot of the success stories we hear about it it really does take a lot of hard work and and look what it took you i mean i I remember um, listening to the founder of airbnb and i believe at the time they were knocking on doors around san francisco trying to get people to sort of try this app out you know it really is you know it it takes that and if if you are building an app right now listening to this and you just think i'll just put it on the app store and uh, it will get millions of downloads and that'll be it you know think think again (laughs) so Oh. It, it might listen it might work once in a blue moon and i'm not saying there haven't been probably people out there who did manage to get incredible momentum somehow th- just through 
every possible star being aligned just right. But I wouldn't leave this up to good fortune or, or good luck. I would, I would, I would make, uh, I would make the hard work be part of the strategy. Yeah, because I think also just learning what you're you're going through. You know, you are targeting an industry that is a little bit old fashioned. You know, you're probably going to these schools and they've still got chalkboards in there. I should think, or they might have just upgraded to a projector or something. But uh, and it, you know, installing an app could be like you know a very scientific process for them that they just. It's almost like maths, isn't it? You know, you just have this aversion to it, and uh, and so you have to go and and manually. How did you overcome that now? I'm sure that you're not now flying around the country still doing that, are you? Yeah, right now, I would say that there are huge downsides to huge challenges to working with schools, which is, as you said, some of them tend to have, how should I say, infrastructure that's falling behind the times. So their wireless is fairly weak. They're, um, they have no IT management whatsoever in the school. So it's very, it's very ad hoc. But there are giant upsides to the industry, which is teachers do like to be early adopters, or at least there are segments of teachers who do. And they will, virally isn't quite the right term, but they will definitely tell everyone they know about a great application that saves them hours of their day. And so we, so far, have had to spend actually zero dollars of marketing and PR uh, to to get out there, and we're in seven percent of American schools as of today, and this was one hundred percent purely through word of mouth, through teachers being extremely uh, aggressive on Twitter about spreading the word about Front Row without us actually asking them to do that. They felt that the application was saving them a lot of time. The kids were being engaged. The kids loved it, and they were getting a lot of value through um, the the dashboards that we provide teachers with, teachers and administrators with. So they just did the the a lot of the hard work for us once we got to enough to that um, escape velocity size where it's large enough where now it's self uh, now it spreads itself. It, well, again, it's a, what a wonderful lesson you've just taught us as well. You know, in the app world, in that it doesn't take uh, a lot of aggressive uh, downloads at the start. It just takes uh, the, the strategy of one hundred true fans. And uh, if you if you get those as believers and you're you're actually fighting a cause and uh, you're doing something that's, that really is solving a problem and, and, and I'm guessing that heals those pain points that uh, you know, yeah, then that people will promote you and uh, that's how it's, what's happened to you you've grown organically no advertising and uh, that's seems like a very sensible way forward. Um, so we've got uh, eight minutes left of the show, Alexander. There's two things we need to get through. Uh, one. Uh, I know I've had feedback on this. Uh, the Appster Tribe love uh, when we try and flesh out a new idea for an app. And uh, you, as a co-founder, I'm sure you've come up with quite a few app ideas in the past. I, I, there's two things we can do. We can either, I can answer, you can answer straight out, do you have an app idea that you're willing to share with us? Uh, and if you don't have one, then we do have another way of fleshing out that idea from you. But uh, do do you have an app idea that you want to talk about? Uh, so that's, that's a, that's a good question. I've, um, I would say that once you're, once you're fully dedicated to a, an idea and an adventure such as, uh, such as ours, you definitely don't, don't get to think much outside of what the, the, the kind of space and industry where you're at right now. But I do remember if I, if I hadn't started with front row back in the day, I probably would have done some sort of, um, 
um, some sort of a reminder app that actually tells you when you should reconnect with the people that you might have gotten out of touch with. Just because if you're if you're like us and you're stuck and is well stuck isn't the right word you're living the the high pace uh, lifestyle of being all constantly busy of being constantly on call of being running constantly from location A to B trying to trying to get things done it's very easy to fall out of touch with people around you in your life your friends your past coworkers your family and. Uh, it it you almost need a personal assistant that will nag you about saying listen go back and get in touch with this person it's it's obviously you haven't done this in a very long time and that's that's something that I've really wanted to work on for a long time but uh front row has turned out to be a very important um a, a more important co- cause at this point well, well i so have to say i mean uh, i'm not sure if you listened to the episode that we had with tony stubblebine uh, the founder co-founder of lyft lift app the coaching app it's one of my favorite apps that i use and he had exactly the same idea uh, which is yes yeah, so there must be something in the blood of co-founders that, especially as uh, startup founders like yourself that it, i mean if anyone listening who can build apps and you want an idea and you're struggling i mean now you've had two mentions of that idea i Please think build it i will yeah, use it yeah. And actually, we did have a guest who is trying to solve that, and uh, he built something called Relately. Uh, so anyone interested in that, go back to listen to that. It's a, There's a search bar on theappguy.co. Just search for Matt Cress, and uh, he talks all through that, trying to solve that problem of uh, keeping in touch with all these different people that we need on all the different platforms that we need to. So, uh, But yeah, definitely a problem. I mean, 10 years ago 20 years ago it used to just be a case of phoning up somebody and uh, <laughs> now there's like you know 101 different social media platforms that you need to be up to speed with so yeah definitely some uh, technology to solve that pain point uh, the final and I, yeah I, go for it I actually just wanted to add a pro tip to this um, based on this which has worked out really well for me and um, you would be surprised how typically how typically generous and helpful um, fellow entrepreneurs are going to be with your idea. So if you have an idea that you're currently pilot, piloting, and let's say you have an app that you built, you have a web service that you built, and you need, you need it tried, tried out real quick, and you need feedback, I feel that entrepreneurs in, in a similar boat to yours, especially entrepreneurs who maybe have been in the, in the space for a couple of years, they, they are generally very, they're typically very generous with advice and help. So when I use applications that, let's say, maybe they've been around for less than a year, but they're solving a problem that I care about and that I need solved. For example, it's, let's say this is a log tracker for our JavaScript applications at Front Row. I will go out of my way to provide the founder of that startup with as much advice and feedback as possible, both from a business standpoint and an application user experience standpoint because those are both things I, I really care about and I think I can provide them with help with. And in the past, it actually turned out that these people were very willing to listen to me and they and I managed to alter people's business models somehow by giving them advice in terms of this is what I would pay, this is what's really useful to me, the way you're currently charging me makes absolutely no sense, let's try it this way. And it was very helpful to them. So as an entrepreneur trying to get your your product um, reviewed and uh, trying to get feedback for your product, reach out to other entrepreneurs and see if, and I, I guarantee you they're going to be extremely helpful. 
that's great advice and uh, certainly uh, I would highly recommend that because when you're in this game you, you it do change your uh, focus in a way and you, you actually do uh, do a lot of giving back as well as uh, you know taking and uh, yeah any way of giving back and just helping others uh, it's such a great community especially the app world and uh, you know just I've found so many people that have yep. been helpful and so we've got a couple of minutes before we say goodbye and uh, we can't let you go without telling us perhaps an app that you use in your day-to-day life uh, business or personal uh, an app on your phone that uh, you think we may not have come across before uh, not the Evernotes and the, uh, you know, the usual stuff, uh, to, uh, an app that you perhaps can recommend uh, that w- would help us out. So I have a couple that I go to almost every day. And I'm going to start with one and see if maybe I, <laughs> I, I, I have extra time. But one of them is Toggle. And I'm not sure if you guys talked about that before. No, never. It's uh, T-O-G-G-L. What it what, what the problem it tries to solve is it's from what I can tell, and again, I, I've I've used it in probably the, a way that they totally don't expect you to use it. Is uh, it, it is for contractors and consultants working on hourly basis. So you you can define projects and you can define subtasks that you're working on in these projects, and you basically click start. You press start, a big green button, and it starts counting the amount of time you spent on that specific task. And the reason why you would want to do that is generally because people will be paying you on an hourly basis for doing something. So maybe you're working in legal or maybe you're a contractor doing some software development, UX and whatnot. You want to count the hours. For me, it is actually incredibly useful because I want to track how many hours I spend on the different parts of the business. So I want to know how much time am I spending on coaching our more junior developers um, to to improve them, to make sure they're learning at the right pace. How much time am I interacting with the business side of the, of the company? How much time am I actually doing uh, software development myself? How much time am I spending on design, et cetera, et cetera. And then at the end of the week, I can look at this pie chart. I can look at the various, um, at the, at the various stats that I'm given, and I can determine if there's some, there's some inefficiency somewhere in my flow. And then I can fine-tune my week, my next week. Uh, I usually iterate on a weekly or bi-weekly basis to see if I can do better. Maybe I have to spend less time on some of these activities. Maybe I can delegate this to someone else. Or maybe I can just um, use an application to solve something that I used to do manually before that. Well, I have to say that I was doing that four or five years ago, and it was called a spreadsheet, and I would document... uh, document everything I was doing uh, because it was very advisable to try and uh, focus on you know the added value parts and, and realize where you're wasting time uh, that lasted for about two weeks I've never done it again <laughs> and, and so how lucky we are to you know be in a world where it's just so easy and so that's the toggle app and you mentioned one more Alexander this this one you probably you guys have probably heard of before but I really love um, pocket the the app to save uh, reading material for for later and um, it's the the reason why it's extremely useful for, to me is because I do browse I do browse websites and news aggregators such as um, Hacker News, 
lobsters, Reddit, uh, very, very actively, but I don't actually have the time to read any of those articles. So uh, it, it is extremely useful to be able to save them for a later date where maybe it's a, it's a Sunday. I managed to carve out a couple of hours of my week to just not do anything. And uh, it's very nice to be able to catch up on the reading that you might have wanted to do uh, throughout the week. And the, the big selling point for me is that it strips out all the ads and all the other stuff that I might need, might not want to be distracted by uh, on that website. And it just gives you the text for this very zen-like reading experience, which I do appreciate. Well, you've got to hand it to those uh, app developers because that's been around for uh, quite a few years and they still haven't succumbed mm. to uh, putting ads on, on there themselves. So uh, just that's, stripping out ads. True. So it's, it's unusual that, you know, usually after a two-year period, then that's when all the uh, monetization stuff starts to happen. <laughs> so, yep, yep, yep. Uh, well, this is great, Alex. I've thoroughly enjoyed going through your journey. I mean, uh, all credit to you on this mission that you have uh, to solve uh, the problem the real problem of uh, learning maths and making it enjoyable uh, how i mean you've inspired me no doubt you'll inspire uh, everyone listening how can we reach out and connect with you so a couple of ways for our website you already mentioned our website at the at the beginning of the podcast it's www.frontrowed.com my personal blog is uh, www.curlin.net it's k u r uh, I-L-I-N dot net and I'm also on all the time on Twitter that's actually preferable if you want to ping me on that at Alex underscore K-U-R-I-L-I-N and I, I do I do spam Twitter quite a bit so if you want to reach out over there that's that's great we can chat that's terrific well uh thank you very much for joining us on the app guide podcast all the best with uh what you're getting up with on front row education and uh yeah we'd love to chat to you again at some future point sounds great thanks paul appreciate it bye for now